Tell them you're hungry for a mighty move of God. Tell them, Lord, why not tonight? Why not tonight to be the night of breakthrough? The night of miracles. If if you draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you. Put me back up there. Don't take me down. Hallelujah. And just lift your hands up and tell him you deserve the glory and the honor. We lift our hands and we worship you. Hallelujah. You deserve the glory and the honor. So we lift our hands and worship. As we bless your holy name, you deserve the glory. Come on, little me. And the honor. So we lift our hands in worship. As we bless your holy name again, you deserve the glory. And the honor. Come on, sing it to him. And we lift our hands in worship. Come on. As we bless your holy name. You are great. You are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. Oh, there is no one else like you. You are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you, Jesus. Oh, there is no one else like you. You are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. Oh, there is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. You think you got it? You think you know the words? Every hand lifted, every eye closed. You deserve the glory. Let's tell them tonight. And the honor. So we lift. So we lift our hands and worship. As we bless. As we bless your holy name. I wish one congregation would say, you deserve the glory. Come on, sing it to him. And the honor, yeah. We lift our hands in worship as we bless your holy name again. You deserve the glory. Come on, worship. And the so we lift our hands and worship as we bless, as we bless your holy name. You are great, you are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you, Jesus. Oh, 
There is no one else like you. You are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you, Jesus. Hey, there is no one else like you. You are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you, Jesus. Oh, there is no one else like you. You are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you, Jesus. There is no one else like you. Now, I added this part to the song. I know River Saints know this. We just simply lift our hands and say, You are courageous. You are courageous, Jesus. You are courageous. So great. So great, so great. Yes, you are great. Sing it to Jesus. You are great. Lift your hands and say, You are great. So great, so great, so great. Come on, help me sing it. You are great, El Shaddai. You are great, Adonai. You are great, Jesus Christ. So great. One more time. You are great, El Shaddai. You are great, my Adonai. You are great, Jesus Christ. So great. Sing it to him one more time. You are great, El Shaddai. You are great, Adonai. You are great, Jesus Christ. So great. You are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you, Jesus. Yeah, there is no one else like you. You are great. You do miracles so great. Yeah, yeah. I've searched all over the world. Yeah, I can't find nobody else like you, Lord. You are great. Yes, you are. You are great. Yes, you are, Lord. You are great, Lord. Oh, 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 oh. so great. You're great. Oh, so great. Oh, so great, Jesus. Oh, oh. There's nobody great, nobody greater, greater than you. Father God, we thank you. We give you praise tonight. Lord, we don't come with pretense and religiosity. We come humbly, Lord. For you are God and creator of all things. And there is no thought that it be withheld from you. Behold, you do all things well. 
And oh, tonight, Lord, I am nothing and you are everything. I decrease that you might increase. Do what you want to do and say what you want to say. Let every man be brought low that Jesus Christ of Nazareth will be lifted up and exalted in the midst of your people tonight. Lord, that Jesus might get all of the glory. Spirit of the living God, we ask you tonight, breathe upon your people fresh winds of revival and we break every spirit of poverty we break every devil of lack we break every spirit of witchcraft we cast down depression and low self-esteem and insecurity we bind every demonic hand tonight in the name of Jesus we take authority over every sickness and every disease in this room tonight the kingdom of God to be manifest in this room tonight. Lord, in signs, wonders, and miracles, Lord. And oh God, let the new wine of the Holy Ghost. Let the new wine flow tonight, God. Oh, to everyone that is hungry. And Lord, we thank you so much. We're going to thank you ahead of time for what you're doing and going to do. Somebody's being healed. I just saw Mandy like somebody's back, right? Connected where your neck and your spine meet. God is touching you right now. I heal a sciatic nerve. God is touching and healing right now in the name of Jesus. Even ear infections right now. God is healing those in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We give you praise, Lord. I hear the Lord go see the Maria, Kufashike, Hamandal Kito, high blood pressure, Nay, Kananda Le Cooper, Bia is coming down. Somadiki, Somadiki, Sobadikita, Naramanda Colate, Kedisha, Orarikine Mandari, Bopar, Itanandioso. He said, like a chemical imbalances, Somadadiasha, are being regulated. Female organs right now. Suraki, Shede, Eter, Edebobra, be healed. In the name of Jesus, somebody's going to feel heat go through your body in certain places. God is touching now. Hallelujah. Oh, I wish I had some folk that reach up and pull it down. Reach up, reach up right now. Just reach up in the atmosphere and pull it down. Hallelujah. There's nobody greater. Nobody greater. Nobody greater than you. Oh. I search all alone. Couldn't find nobody. I searched high and low. Nobody greater. Nobody greater. Nobody greater than you. Oh, hallelujah. Take your seats if you can. Before you take your seats, put your arms around somebody and say, it's good for us to be here. I want you to get out your seat. Matter of fact, go find at least two or three people. Find somebody you don't know and greet them and welcome in the name of Jesus. We all got the same blood. If you've been born again, you're a child of God. I want you to get out your seat. Don't be scared. Don't be nervous. Go find somebody. Say, hey, I'm so-and-so. Who are you? Praise the Lord. It's good for us to be here. 
Tell somebody, I'm joining you. I'm standing in faith for your breakthrough. I'm standing in faith for your miracle. I'm believing God with you tonight. We're partners for revival. We're partners for outpouring. Let's just stir up and create that atmosphere of unity in the spirit. Hallelujah. Don't leave nobody out. Go hug folk that don't nobody want to hug. Go hug them anyway. If they don't want to hug, give them a high five, a handshake, something. Hallelujah. How many feel like something's happening in the room right now? I tell you, when my feet touched the ground, it bubbled up out my belly. When I walked through that back door, it's all I could do to keep from standing up. The power of God is like electricity going on through my body right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God has spoken in a dream this service tonight. Hallelujah. Uh, I wish I had some people that had some faith to believe God tonight. This is not the work of a man, but it's the work of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get your eyes off men and turn your eyes on Jesus. Hallelujah. This is a very important time that we're living in. This night, this New Year's Eve service, so many of you have come up expecting tonight. And there's an energy in the room tonight. How many want to get so full of the Holy Ghost that you, somebody got to tell you where you at? How many want to drink that new wine? You want to get so drunk that your eyes open up and you can see angels. You want to get so drunk in the Holy Ghost, your ears open up and you can hear what God's been trying to tell you all year long. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you that it takes faith to step into the supernatural realm. Tonight, we're going to talk about stepping into the supernatural. Hallelujah. 2013 is going to be very difficult and trying for many people. I know you want to hear good news, but here's the good news. It's also going to be the year of acceleration and manifestation. A year of manifestation of things that we've talked about are going to begin to become seen and manifested in our eyes. Hallelujah. But before you can move with God, you have to get in step and in tune with God. Your mind and your mentality have to have a shift. The church's biggest problem is that so much bad understanding and religious teaching has crippled us and hindered us from really stepping into the unseen realm of glory. We love religion because religion is a bunch of superstitious myths and ideas that people have made up that they put confidence in that if they do these things and they'll get close to God. And the problem is you end up having a relationship with a bunch of rules and you don't have a relationship with a person. That was free. You don't have to. And it is the nature of human beings to want to have a formula. We want the mechanic. Show us how to make it work and we'll do it every time and then we're good. But in order to have a relationship with God, he's constantly moving. You got to become flexible. You have to become amiable. You have to become a person that wants to free yourself of the rigidity and the rehearsal of religiousness. Let me tell you tonight, God is not what you think. He's different. The word holy doesn't mean he got on a long dress and he don't wear no makeup. 
He wears only dark colored suit. That's not what holy means. Holy means different. He's different from how you perceive him to be. He's not at all the way, the first way you think he is. He's not at all that way. I'm here to tell you tonight that it's going to take great humility to accept that some of the things that you think and hold are not correct. It's going to take great humility to humble yourself and say, Lord, I want your way and not my way. Not my way, not your way, but Yahweh. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew chapter 14. I'm going to preach shortly because we got to pray for people tonight. We got to release this anointing. For I have placed within you that believe and that hold dear my spirit a very ancient well that is a portal to ancient places that open up unseen realms of glory that my presence and power will be revealed to you in a new and greater measure and you shall walk in a new dimension of authority and power. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Some of y'all caught that. Matthew 14 and 21, it says, I'm reading from the New Living Translation because it's new He was living. Read along. About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. You all know the story. Thank you. you. I'll call you back later. You all know the story of Jesus feeding the multitudes. But has anyone ever thought about how he fed 5,000 people with two little fish? And five loaves of bread. See, a lot of us think of God's power as magic. He just waves his hand and like magic, it just happens. Hocus pocus. Alakazam. But God's supernatural power is actually unknown science. It's just men haven't discovered how to do it yet. They don't know how God does things. God doesn't just Alakazam and poof, things happen. He is the cause agent. He initiates things. He sets them in motion and they come to fruition. And the thing about God is that he operates in the realm of quantum mechanics. Do you know what quantum mechanics is or quantum physics is? It is the branch of physics that deals with the phenomenon at microscopic scales. God, through Jesus, when the need arose to feed the multitude and nobody had food but one little boy, he took what the boy had. But you know, the boy had to be willing to give up what he had. He had to humble himself to submit to Jesus' lordship to believe. I don't know what you're going to do with two fish and five loaves of bread, but here it is. And the Bible says that Jesus blessed it and he began to break it. And it began to split and divide and begin to split and divide. This is called fission. 
splitting and dividing. On the subatomic level, what exercise of God's power took place that on atomic level, nuclear fission took place, that fish that was already cooked, bread that was already made began to divide and replicate over and over again to the point that 5,000 people could be fed. Einstein's theory of relativity is mass or, or uh, mass times the speed of light, E equals mc squared. It talks about that mass and energy are interchangeable. We understand that through modern nuclear reactors that there's such a thing as dirty radioactive power. Whenever there's nuclear fission, energy is given off as destructive to humans. How bad is Jesus? That by the force of his will, he was able to reach into the subatomic realm and manipulate the very atoms and makeup of the bread and the fish and cause them to have nuclear fission where they split and divide and no dirty radiation was given off to hurt anybody. It wasn't magic. He just operates in a science that we don't understand. Men need organic or techno-organic means to operate in these realms. Jesus only uses the force of his will. See, when you, if you want to take instruments and, 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 and tools to separate fish and bread and try to replicate it, something bad is going to give off because when you, God created everything, it's been sealed. And when you unlock the power of the atom, there's a release that takes place from that energy that's the very force of creation. And it can destroy everything around it by you releasing it. But how bad is Jesus that he can reach around the organic tools and by the spirit unlock it from the inside where there is no release of damaging power? That same kind of power is the same power that when he met somebody that had lost their leg or their arm through leprosy, he just simply, quantum mechanics happens microscopically and at the speed of light. At the speed of light, he caused there to be a replication of an arm that was missing. He just took the DNA that was already there and caused it to replicate so fast that it looked like a suddenly in the instant. What is this God that we are dealing with? Science calls the dimension. He says, Einstein said, when you're in outer space, you can only look up and down, left and right, and side to side. And when you begin to move in the fourth dimension, that's where space and time meet together. Science is now understanding how anything can be literally possible. And all the rules of physics in this fourth dimension don't apply anymore. When they split the atom and discovered the space-time continuum, mankind opened the doorway and Jesus said, hello. Because this is where he abides. How can he be everywhere and nowhere at the same time? So, well, I'm, I've been running from God. How are you going to run from somebody that when you get through running, he's already where you're running to? I know I've been running from the Lord. No, you ain't been running from the Lord. You've just been running. 
Because you can't escape anybody that at any point in time he can step into the eternal realm and reveal himself. That's why I got a different understanding of when, when Moses went up on that mountain and he said to God, he said, I want you to show me. I want to see the God that I'm following. God said, no man can see me and live. Why? Because if I reveal who I am in this organic world, the reaction is going to be the radiation to kill you and you're going to die. Oh, I wish I had some witnesses in here. How can you look at the face of God? In order to look at the face of something, you have to be in front of something how can you be in the front of God when it's in him that you live and you move if you get outside of him that's when you die you can't get in front of God he told him I can't show you my face but I'll tell you what I'll do I'll show you my hind parts I'll show you what I've already done because you can't get in front of me you can only get behind what I've already done. And so what you don't understand is what I've already done is way far past you anyway. He said, I'll tell you what. There is a rock beside me. I wish any, I wonder if anybody here knows who the rock beside God is. What his name. He said, now you, what you're asking for, Moses, the time has not revealed that type of walk with me. What you're asking for is not going to come for another 2,000 years. But I tell you what, there is a rock beside me and I'm going to set you in that rock. And I'm going to pass over you and you'll see my glory. See, it's only in Jesus that the glory of the Father is revealed. Are you catching this? God operates. I believe, I don't know about you, but I believe when Moses was up there seeing him pass, he said, I'm going to put my hand over your head. I'm going to shield you, and I'm going to pass by you, and I'm going to proclaim my name in front of you, and I'm going to reveal my glory. And Moses, through a veiled view of what he looked like. See, since in the space-time continuum, there is no space and no time, I believe that same mountain, 2,000 years later, Three men were walking up behind Jesus, and I wish I had some witnesses in here. And as they looked at him, he changed right in front of them, and a voice said, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And I believe as Moses looked and saw the glory, Peter, James, and John looked and saw the same image. Because there's no space and no time in God. If you don't take the limits off of the way you think about God, you're not going to move in anything supernatural. Are you listening? Matthew 14, 22. Isn't this interesting how Jesus sets it up that he sees the multitudes through quantum mechanics. He duplicates all these things in front of them, 5,000 people. And you know, God is so bad that he doesn't ever just do enough. He always El Shaddai's everything. It was 12 baskets left over after he multiplied. It was 12. See, the little boy who lost, he thought he was going to lose his initial investment. Well, there goes my fish. By the time he gets through with all these hungry folk, I'm not going to have any fish later. See, the order to gain something, you have to be willing to lose something. That's why some people can't walk with God because they got too many props and too many options. When all your props have fallen, when you ain't got no other option but Jesus, don't be in despair. You're in a good place for a miracle. I wish I had a few more witnesses in here tonight and gave him 12 baskets afterward. He said, here's the return on your initial investment. Can you imagine that boy going back home 
in his neighborhood. Can you imagine how probably his whole neighborhood got fed that evening? When God does something with you, if God, if what God is doing is not big enough to bless a bunch of people, God ain't giving it to you. You wanting to be rich and to be prosperous, God is not interested in making you rich unless making you rich is going to further his plan in the kingdom. God is not interested in you driving a Bentley so you can be a big shot and you can show everybody how you came up and y'all talked about me, but look at me now. That ain't God's. God is not interested in lifting you up. There's only one person that God is interested in lifting up. And if you want to get lifted up, you better grab a hold to the lift. You don't want to help me tonight. Y'all mad at me already, right? Ooh, I haven't even got to the good part yet. Matthew 14, 22, immediately after this. This is right after that miracle. The scene changes. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross over to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. He said, look, y'all go get in the boat and get over there, get a head start. And he dismissed. He did the benediction and sent the people home. Now, y'all ate, y'all fed, now bye. And you, get in the boat and go. Jesus, what about you? Don't worry about me. You go. He said, go to the other side of the lake. What's powerful about this is Jesus didn't say, go into the lake. Or flip under and capsize in the lake. He said, go to the other side of the lake. Isn't it something how if Jesus said, go to the other side of the lake, it really couldn't turn out any other way now. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell and he was alone there. Let me tell you something. You're going to have to learn some things about the power of focus. It's not hocus pocus, but focus, focus. Getting away from people to recharge. Jesus understood the law of release. That when great power is released, he had to go away and re-up and recharge and rebuild himself by entering into the star chamber of fellowship with the Father. He had to restock himself alone. Let me tell you something. Alone and lonely are not the same thing. A lot of folk are lonely. Me so lonely. You lonely. But if you really understand true fellowship with God... You can't be lonely. You can be by yourself, but you can't be lonely. You listening? Matthew 14, 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land, for the strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. At about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Now, in olden days, the Romans instituted four watches of the night. This was about the third watch of the night, which is 3 o'clock in the morning. The next watch would be when the cock crow at 6 o'clock in the morning. He said, and when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in fear, and they cried out, it's a ghost. <laughs> and then Jesus spoke to them at once. You know, as soon as they misidentified him, he identified himself. That's powerful. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Now, they don't really mean nothing when people tell you it's going to be all right. You know how people always try to console you. You haven't heart. It's going to be all right. They say, just think positive. It's going to be all right. It's going to all work out. I look at some folks. How do you know that? 
Did Jesus appear to you and tell you it's going to be all right? How, well, who are you to tell somebody that it's going to be all right? You don't know. But when people don't know what else to say, they start trying to, you know, lick your wounds for you and make you feel better. But the difference is if Jesus tells you, take courage. I am here. Don't be afraid. You can take that to the bank. Listen to what he says. And then Peter called him. This is powerful. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus said, yes, come. Jesus didn't say, are you sure you want to get out here in this water? Are you sure? That, well, now, what, what interest is of it to you to want to walk on water? You're not me. <laughs> he said, yes, come. And Jesus said, so Peter went over the side of the boat. Can you imagine that leg was probably shaking? Boy, he was probably shaking all over. That leg was moving like he was about to have a stroke, getting out the water and stepping on it. He stepped, and to his amazement, the water held him up. And he probably, I, I don't know about you, but I'd have been like this first, testing that water out. I mean, you know, sliding on it, and it's, you know, like that, you know. He got out that boat and saw that he was standing, looked back. And there was 11 other folks in the boat. It never occurred to any of them to walk on the water. It only occurred to them to hang on to their lives. It only occurred to them that something bad was going to happen. It's a ghost. But Peter said, if it's you, he recognized the voice of Jesus. In the midst of all that wind and turmoil, he heard a voice that said, don't be afraid. Take courage for it is I. And he said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come on the side of the boat. And he got out. And the Bible says, well, when he saw the strong winds and waves, he was terrified. And he began to sink. And he said, save me, Lord. He shouted. And the Bible didn't say it took Jesus, you know, a little while. He said, immediately. He reached out and grabbed him. And he said, you have so little faith. Jesus said, why did you doubt me? And then they both walked back. Isn't there something? Even, even in his failure, he still walked back on water with Jesus. Even when he had blown it and lost faith, he still walked back to the boat with Jesus. If Jesus didn't want to go in the boat, he could have walked past the boat with Jesus. Are you listening? I'm going to retire all together for you. We're going to get praying and go home. I know you're ready to go already. And then the disciples worshipped him in that boat. The Bible says immediately when they got in the boat, wind stop, wave stop, calm, peace everywhere. It was almost as if they were in some type of simulation. It was almost as if this storm was created to teach them something. And the Bible says they bowed down and worshipped and said, you really are the son of God. They shouted. You really are who you've been acting like you are. Now, I want you to understand something. They had been seeing miracles. This is the 14th chapter. They didn't just start seeing miracles. They've been seeing miracles all along. That means that even at this point, they still needed some more convincing. Are you listening? Hallelujah. Well, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back in the boat and cross the other side of the lake, and they crossed over after all this time, after all this big commotion, they got over there. Now, we can say a whole lot about this story that Jesus was walking in the supernatural, and, but here's one thing you got to realize, that when Peter saw Jesus doing something, when he saw Peter walking in the supernatural, when he saw him stepping out and bending the laws of physics and stepping on water, what is it about Peter 
that the first thing came to his mind is, I want to do that too. If it's you, tell me to come to you. He steps out and starts walking on water, but when he takes his eyes off Jesus, he begins to sing. Now, we could say that, you know, we, we, I could start tuning up with the organ. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't look this way and don't look that way. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Oh, and you'd be like, that's what you expected me to say because that's what everybody always says. But the interesting thing about it is he could see Jesus. He could identify Jesus if Jesus walked in a room. Here's the point. The story was not written for Peter. The story was written for you. You have never seen Jesus, so how are you going to keep your eyes on somebody that you couldn't pick out in the lineup? The story wasn't for Peter, it was for you. How can you look to somebody that you can't see? Now we got folk around here that, that they make their bread and butter on telling you that Jesus is appearing to everybody all the time. They even got books out now. You can too have a divine appearance from Jesus. But the Bible ain't never promised that to everybody. And when you start seeking things that the Bible does not promise, you open yourself up for demonic spirits to take advantage of you, to deceive you, and to trick you. That's why you have to stay on the word. But here's the thing about God that I like. God says, I'm raising up people that are not walking by sight, but they're going to walk by my spirit. They're going to be led by something inside. He wasn't talking about keeping your physical, optical, video receptors, your eyeballs. He was talking about your heart sight. Your eyesight, the spiritual eye. Why? That's why God told Israel when he got ready to raise them up and they wanted to do like all the other people. They wanted to make a God out of clay, out of wood, out of stone. And God had to set the record straight. He said, look, don't you make no image after me of any animal or any creature or any image above the ground, under the earth, in the earth. Don't you dare. Why? Because your God has no shape. Your God has no form. Your God can be whatever he chooses to be. He can assume whatever image he has. He has no image other than his voice. When you hear his voice, you know who he is. Why? Because God didn't want them to develop an image of a statue or an image of a goat. He didn't want them to have Dagon, a half man, half fish God. He didn't want them to have a God like Molech or Astra. He wanted them to have a God that it would take faith for them to realize and see. He therefore began to reveal himself in attributes. The image of God is his character and his nature. See, even though you can turn your eyes upon Jesus, turn your eyes, you can't see Jesus. You've never seen Jesus. And if you've seen him, you can't prove to us that you saw him. That's a personal thing between you and Jesus. So how are we going to benefit from you seeing Jesus? We got to make it so everybody can benefit from this. See, the thing about it is when you see his word, you see him. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word was made flesh. In him was life, and that life that lights up every man that comes into a being or creation. And then he said he was in the world, and the world was made by him. I want you to understand something. God is his word. 
His word reveals who he is. It reveals his compassion. It reveals his love, his mercy. It reveals everything that you need. See, if you still think you got to have a vision from an angel or a visitation from Jesus in order for you to do what God told you to do, you're walking in the flesh and you're not walking in the spirit. God is trying to break you from needing training wheels in the natural to help you obey God. He's trying to get you to act just like him to call those things that be not as though they were. What's the difference between Peter? Peter, Jesus was a rabbi. They called him Rabboni. And to be a rabbi, see, Jesus, to take my yoke upon you and learn of me, that didn't start with Jesus. That was rabbinical. When rabbis were running rampant through Jerusalem, they were all over the place. Because you see, Israel Judaism had been defunct. It had been taken over. Caiaphas wasn't a Levite. They couldn't even perform the rites of Judaism the way they were supposed to because the kingdom of heaven had suffered violence and violent men had conquered it and hijacked it and took it over. And if you wanted to hear the word of God, you had to go where John the Baptist was. And he said, but the kingdom of God, he said, but up until that time of John the Baptist, people have been pressing in because they're tired of this system of religion that doesn't work. This junk that's set up by Rome to pacify Israel. They want the true promises of God. So when a rabbi, when you came to follow a rabbi, he would often say, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. You would have to study the word Torah and study the Bible and the Talmud. And then once you had become learned in these things, then you came to the rabbi and submitted to him. And here is the charge of the rabbi here is the secret bonus that if you follow me whatever I do you will be able to do what I do that is the secret of the rabbi that's why you look for the best rabbi you can find you didn't find you a dime store rabbi you found a rabbi that could do something because that's the one you want to emulate and when 12 disciples decided to take Jesus as their rabbi, there was a guarantee that the works that I do, you shall do also if you follow my lead. Here was a young man by the name of, we don't know his name because he didn't act right. He was just called the rich young ruler. He had a lot of money. He said, from my youth, I have kept the law. I studied the Torah. He said, I got plenty of money. I'm doing a lot of good things. And I think I want to join up with your group because you're a real mover and a real shaker around here and the thing about Jesus he said all right if you want to join with me get rid of everything that makes you think that you are hot shot and then you can follow me why 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 because when I raise you up you're not going to be able to look back on your money and your prestige and your religious ideas it's going to be because you follow me and when he told that fellow that the Bible said he was heartbroken his wheel fell off and the other leg of the wagon was dragging on the floor he was sad the bible says because he had great possessions he could he said sell all you have and give it to the poor and follow me and the bible said he said what no other rabbi is asking for that look i could finance your next crusade i could get you on tbn if you just act right jesus Jesus said, you better get up on this rock 
Because if you don't, you won't. This, if you don't get up on this rock, this rock is going to fall on you. And you'll be ground into powder. See, the thing is, the rich young ruler, it wasn't that he had great possessions. The possessions had him. Anytime that things have a stronger hold on you to Jesus, you don't really have Jesus. Anytime that your happiness is wound on whether you get married or not, you're not really dependent on Jesus. If anytime your real happiness depends on whether you're going to be a success in the eyes of your family and all the people that wouldn't let you play any reindeer games and talked about your red nose and everybody looked down on you and didn't let you come over the party and they liked Susie, didn't like me. If that's what you're building your happiness upon, you're not worthy of following Jesus. Because the man that found Jesus is like the man that found the pearl of great price. He just found a pearl in the field and sold all he had just to have the field. Just perchance there might be another pearl like this one. As long as you got all these other props, you can't step into the supernatural. I got news for you. When you joined up with a rabbi, the promise was what I do, you'll do because you're taking my yoke upon you. And when the rich young ruler found the conditions, he backed up. It was too much of a price to pay. But put him juxtaposed to Peter. Peter says, we have forsaken all to follow you. We have given up everybody. We've walked away from houses and promotions and jobs. We didn't take that job because it wanted us to look a certain way and we knew you wouldn't be. I wish I had some witnesses. See, some folk will make all kind of compromises for money. They'll make all kind of comp They'll sell their soul off piece for piece so they can have a little peace of mind. But when you make a decision to follow Jesus, it has to be all or nothing. When you make a decision to come after the Lord, you got to be like Peter. I've given up on everybody. If I have to go without a husband, if I have to go without a wife, if I have to go without a promotion, I'm going all the way. I heard that old song say, I'm determined to walk with Jesus. Yes, I am. Can I get a witness in here? Y'all are going to help me preach. I'm going to close. Here's what you got to understand. When Jesus was on the water and he said, yes, it's me, come to me. That was the rabbinical charge that he gave to Peter. The works that I do, if I'm doing it, that means that you can do it too. Come on out here because I am your rabbi. I got news for you in here tonight. Oh, it all depends on how you look at Jesus. If you just think Jesus is a religious figurehead for another religion, you missed it. If you think that Jesus is something else other than what the word of God says he is, you already missed it. So many people have looked through a Baptist Jesus, a Pentecostal Jesus, an Apostolic Jesus, a, a Catholic Jesus, a, a, a Episcopalian Jesus. But what you need is a Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John Jesus. A Jesus
Jesus that walks right out of those pages and says, I don't make any theological promises that I can't keep. Behold, all things are possible to him to believe it. The only way you can mess up a verse like that is to go to Bible college and let somebody that don't know Jesus tell you something else. Can I get a witness in here? Somebody lift your hands up and shout hallelujah. Somebody give somebody a high five and say, Jesus is my rabbi. The works that he do, they're the works that I can do. If he can do it, he promised me that I would be able to do the same thing. Are you enjoying this message yet? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. But what about the people that still need to see Jesus? John 20 and 27 says, Thomas said, I'm not going to believe until I put my hand in, in his side and put my finger there. I ain't going to believe it. I saw them kill him. Nobody. He was bad, but they don't nobody come back from him. Somebody else got to raise him. We don't know nobody around here that can raise up nobody. Jesus was the last person. Elisha maybe, but there ain't nobody around here raising dead folk. He's the man that's dead. Just forget about it and let's go home. And suddenly Jesus appeared. Here we go again, bending the laws of nature. He wasn't in there, and suddenly he teleported into the room. Did he teleport? I don't know. Did he, did, he, did he just pop from one place? Did he step into an interdimensional doorway and step out another one into the room? Did he step into quantum space in between spaces and, and body slid all the way into the room? Or did he cause his molecular structure to expand so he could pass through the solid density of the walls and when he came out on the other side, pulled it back together again? I don't know how he did it, but does it matter? And he said, touch me, feel me. He put his hands, and there wasn't no discussion. After he put his hands in the side and touched the wounds in his hand, he got on his knees and said, my Lord and my God. But then Jesus said something that opened up for the rest of us that ain't real deep, for the rest of us that ain't having dreams and visions and hanging on God's toenail and just up in the spiritual realm all the time, just we just so deep. For all the rest of us that have to walk by faith when you can't see your way, when everything looks wrong, when don't nothing look right, when they say it's the last moment and you got to go. I wish I had some witnesses. He said, you see and you believe, but more blessed are these that believe and have not seen. You're in a good category if you have not seen Jesus because that means you're still walking by faith. I like what Peter said. Peter said, though you have not seen him, you believe. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And you're filled with an inexpressible joy that is unspeakable. See, nothing gets you going knowing when you're walking by faith and everything you look at looks contradictory. But see, that's what the Bible says, looking to the unseen realm, looking beyond this realm of reason. I know it don't make no sense, but I'm getting ready to put all my trust in Jesus. I'm stepping over the side of the boat. I'm getting away from the boat folk, the folk that are too scared to step out on faith. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to step out into the supernatural. And if I fail, I still got a savior. If I fall in the water, there's somebody I can call on.
people forget that when he was falling, he said, Lord, save me. See, some of y'all are so much in fear to do anything that all you can see, see, he failed. He tried to do it big and got down there and fell in the water. And he ought to know he couldn't walk in no water like, gee, that's Jesus doing that. I told you, don't you go around them, around there with that dude, dealing with them peoples. People with a boat mentality. You got some of them. They come wholesale by the dozen. I wish I had a witness in here. They come wholesale. They come with people that don't believe anything. They've seen God heal her and God heal him, but they still struggle with believing anything. And if you don't be careful, thank you, you will get caught in the boat of possibility, of impossibility. It can't be done, Pastor. You've had a great fall. You can't recover from this. Who said so? Who said you? Jesus didn't say that. I don't know about you, but Jesus has the last word and say on everything. I don't care how many fat ladies have sung. Not until the Son of God stands up. See, he's so bad that he can actually miss it. Actually be too late. But he said, am I late? He can actually come in and say, well, let's just go back in time and reverse it and go back. I already figured it out. While you were still trying to figure it out, I already worked it out. So come on, give me some praise. Come on, lift your hands up and bless the Lord. God is the only one that decides these things. But if you don't be careful, doubt and unbelief is contagious. Doubt and unbelief plays to your flesh. Let me say this before I stop, before we start praying for people. It pleases God for you to have to use your inner man, your inner sight to see. You may read the Bible and you can't see nose and face and what color. It don't matter if Jesus is white or black. I don't care what color he is as long as he's the real Jesus. But see, when people are in the flesh, they have to find something that looks like them to identify with it. But see, when you're in the spirit, it don't matter if he got a nose you can hang a coat on. It doesn't matter. See, some of y'all got a handsome Jesus like the one in the movie from Hollywood. So that's why I never watched The Passion. I didn't want it to mar my image of what Jesus really was like. See, some of y'all think he looked this way. But the Bible says if you were to see him, you would not desire him. There's nothing comely about his appearance. Isn't that how God always wraps the best things up in something that most feet don't? don't want to get involved with. God has a way of wrapping the very thing you want in some kind of place that's going to make you have to get out your flesh to get into it. The very person that you think gets on your nerves, God's got a gift of healing in them. And ain't nobody going to be able to get you healed until they pray for you. And you're just going to have to humble yourself. You have to just break down in some humble pie and get out of your flesh and tell the Lord, Lord, any way you bless me, I'll be satisfied. I don't care how it comes, through who it comes through. I just want you to move because I'm sick and tired. My sick and tired is sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick of of staying in the same place that I'm always in. I'm ready for whichever path you have for me. Yeah. 
But here's the thing. I remember desiring to walk in the supernatural. I was raised up in church as well. The only thing supernatural happened is the power fall on you, and you might get a good quicken. See, some of y'all don't know what a quicken is. You don't know what a quicken is. A quicken is when the power hits you, and it, it quickens you. It gets a snatch. And you're a jerk, and all the spirit moved. That was about as supernatural as it got. We were saved. You sick? You probably going to die. But at least make sure you're right before you die. Anything supernatural happened, it was more like a Pentecostal accident. It didn't happen because we prayed and believed it. It just happened because, hey, God was good and your number came up. We didn't know that we had the ability to influence the spiritual realm. We thought everything we were at the mercy of. And I remember, see, let me tell you something. Peter sat in that boat and went. See, first of all, before he could ask something, he had to think about it. And before he could think about it, he had to imagine something. And before he could imagine something, he had to have some other image to base his imagination on. Well, he saw Jesus walking on the water. That's my rabbi. What he does, I can do. And suddenly, he imagined himself walking on water. What would that be like? I got news for you. As long as your imagination is limited, you can't walk in the supernatural. See, what are you allowing to shape your imagination? What the world says, what religion says, what church folks say, or are you allowing the word of God to shape your imagination? I'm not talking about if you imagine you can grow wings, just believe that you grow wings. That's stupid because that's out the will of God. God ain't, it ain't nobody, it ain't God's will for nobody to have wings. You can go in the garage and confess that you a car 10 million times and you never going to be a car because that's not in the will of God. He made you a two-legged walking man or woman and that's his will. But anything that he has ordained within his will for you to have you can imagine it to be so when you start talking about that's why musical people and artistic people move and flow in the supernatural because you have to be able to flow with the imagination you have to see it first before you can move into it let me tell you something soften it up a little bit wait a minute for that for a second. hold up for a second I remember I was listening to a preacher tell the story. He said, one day I was in prayer and I was worshiping God. And I was praising God and worshiping him privately. Just going in and this looked like my heart just broke open. Worshiping God. You ever had one of those moments? He said, and as I began to pray, my mind went back to a piece of jewelry that I had lost. And I was always sad that I lost it and couldn't find it. And suddenly, I could see that piece of jewelry in my mind just as clear as day with my eyes worshiping. He said, the Lord said, reach out and take it. He said, with my eyes closed, I reached out and I took it. And when I opened my eyes, it was in my hand. We're talking about stepping into the supernatural. I had a friend of mine. He told me, he said, you won't believe this. I was walking down the street, and as I was walking down the street, I took my wedding band off. I mean, no, brothers, you better not lose your wedding band. You better not come home with that wedding band lost. That means you've been out hunting, and you ain't supposed to be hunting. That's says you're supposed to keep it on. He was late by, no, I'm taking, no, I'm, 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 I'm already jammed. I'm, I'm already married. 
He was walking, and he took it off, and it dropped in New York City on the sidewalk. He heard tink, 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 and it rolled, where well, you guess it rolled? Right into the sewer. Tink, tink, he heard it go down. He said, he had that, that certain sick feeling. That's that feeling of, I need a hand towel and a glass of water. You know, he got in his car and he said to the Lord, Lord, I can't lose another one. <laughs> My wife ain't gonna believe I'm this stupid. And as he asked the Lord, I don't know what you can do, but if it's possible, suddenly he heard to tinkle, tinkle in his back seat. He stopped the car and said, I know I just didn't hear that. He looked in the back seat, and there was the ring rolling on the floor. I was talking to one of my spiritual moms back in California, Mom Trimble. She told me when I was over in another country, and I was over there because Jesus sent me over there. He told me to go over there. And when I went over there, all I had was trouble. See, some of y'all think just because God sends you somewhere, you ain't going to never have trouble. You, you think you ain't never going to have problems. But see, some of y'all don't know that God is raising you up to bust up trouble. He's sending you to trouble places I wish I had some witnesses here because you got to make the way smooth for somebody else coming after you. That's if you got a pioneering spirit. Pastor, everybody can't go with you when you pioneer in the church. You have to have everything nice and neat for them. They can't go through stuff with you because they're not made of a pioneering spirit. That's all there is to it. She said, I was over there preaching the gospel, and I got late on the night, and the gorillas, you know what gorillas are, don't you? Not them ooh, ooh, kind, but the kind that carry guns and attack villagers and rape and pillage. They came in the city, and she had not got out of the city in time, and they circled around her with guns, and here's an old woman from America. You knew they were going to kill her. And she said she heard a voice speak softly in her ear. Not loudly, but a still, small voice. That's why I said, well, I wish God would speak to me in a still, small voice. See, you won't sit still long enough and your head is too not small enough. That's why you can't hear it. You ain't still and small enough. You're too big with what you want to do all the time. God got to listen to your, your prayer list, laundry list, before he starts talking about what he wants. I want a house and car and two kids. I want new teeth. I want to get me a new car. And thank you, Jesus. Jesus of the lamp. Grant all my wishes. She said, the voice said to her, just say, take me up, Jesus. And she said, huh? The voice said, And she said, take me up, Jesus. Snatch. The Holy Ghost snatched her up in the air, and she saw herself flying away from them. And she said, by the time she had made a full evolution, revolution, she was down on the ground five, ten miles away from where they were at. She stepped into the supernatural. When she heard the voice, she obeyed the voice that spoke to her. If you're going to walk in the supernatural, you're going to have to tune up your ears and get your listening together. You don't have a money problem. You don't have an enemy problem. You don't have a devil problem. You don't have a sickness problem. You got a hearing problem. If you can hear his voice, he can lead you out of the valley. If you can hear his voice, God has a plan to bring you back to where he's placed a blessing over your life but it's going to take humility one of the first things 
when I was praying and fasting, God has not used me in signs and wonders. I was 19. I was so skinny. Not like now. I was so skinny. I was in Bible college, and I could tie about, I could, you know, have you seen them cartoons when you wasn't eating? You could just, you know, the belt would go up to half full, and it go all the way to empty. I was eating them warm-up pizzas. I wasn't going to tell nobody. I, I was going by faith. And I said, Lord, I was on my 20, I was on 21-day fast, nothing but water. I was already tired and hungry when I started to fast. I'm laying on the floor. What is the key to signs and wonders? Oh, God. Oh, we might have your power. I tried to sound religious. Oh, God. Show us. Lord, speak. Whatever you want, I'll do it. He said, that's a lie. You won't do right now anything I ask you because you think you will, but I have something to ask you that I know you don't want to do. So stop lying to me. Well, huh? My tongues must not be right. I'm getting the wrong. Re- turn my tongue up. This is wrong reception. It's wrong. And I kept on begging and kept on pleading. And finally, about the 14th day of starving with nothing but water, he came and visited me. He said, I can't partner with a liar. I can't partner because I'm the spirit of truth. And as long as you lie and entertain lies and live lies, then I can't partner with you. Because I'm the spirit of truth. I need someone who will tell the truth even if it hurts them. I need somebody who won't lie when it's convenient. Can you be that person? He said, don't answer swiftly. I had to think about it. Because I could think of a couple of lies. They weren't real big lies. It was just little, you know, how you don't tell folks everything they want to know. You just tell them part of the truth and kind of, you kind of, you cater that thing and hook it up. And I ain't lying to them. I told them. You just didn't tell them the vital information that would make it a lie. You know, we call them white lies. But let me tell you something. If you don't humble yourself, and I'm closing with this, my final fifth, seventh, eighth closing. I ain't going to even read other scriptures because we got to pray. Oh, my God, we got to pray right now. Listen, number one, who do you say that Jesus is? He asked a question to his disciples. He's asking you the question today. Who do you say that I am? Your perception, your concept of who Jesus is determines everything you receive from him. If you got an old religious Jesus, somebody didn't cook this Jesus up, a Hollywood version, you don't have the real one. Your concept of who you believe Jesus is to you, your personal revelation of how you see Jesus determines whether you're going to step into the supernatural. Everything in the kingdom, kingdom, king's domain, king's dwelling place, Jesus understanding him is the key to moving in his kingdom. Number two, you got to desire the supernatural. You can't be stupid. And so Jesus looked at the disciples and said, oh, fools and slow of heart. How do you keep on erring and you don't know the truth? This is after the resurrection he said this to them. If you always need facts and figures, it's got to make sense to you, you're not going to walk in the supernatural. <clears throat> hey, listen to me. I- I'm talking about not even a drop of it. You're not going to move in the supernatural, the super supernatural. Where you begin to move in quantum space and quantum mechanics, God begin to unveil to you the super. You're not going to move in that as long as you got to understand everything and you have to know everything. You got to be like Mary that says, 
I know not how this is going to be, but be it so unto me according to whatever you say. Number three, can you conceptualize it? Can you release your imagination from religious, superstitious, predisposed ideas about God? Believing in the impossible is not being goofy. If it's not based upon the revealed pattern of the word of God, you tend to get goofy. Stick with the book. Now, I get into arguments with the witch hunters and all the folk who are looking for false manifestations and everything that happens is the devil. And they say, well, if it didn't happen in the Bible, then it shouldn't happen in your service. Who said that? I said, that's stupid. I said, every miracle that Jesus wrought was the first time it was done. You can't use that as a precedent. The precedent has to be is it consistent with his nature and his attributes? When this miracle happened, what is the reaction in the people? Does it draw them closer to Jesus or does it drive them further away? Well, that miracle wasn't in the Bible. We had some people get his teeth get filled with gold. Well, that's not in the Bible. I said, well, if you needed your teeth fixed and didn't have the money, you'd take some gold fillings, wouldn't you? It's easy to talk about stuff that you don't need. But it's another thing when people are sitting in front of your face that need something. Are you listening to me? Can you conceptualize it? Number four, joy. You must walk in the delight of the Lord. Peter knew that if it was really Jesus, he's getting ready to have what he asked for. People that are sour pusses, and it don't matter what Jesus do, you just think, well, that's nice. You don't hunger for the power of God. You don't thirst after the righteousness of God. You don't want to see God's power poured out upon this generation. You don't hunger for more supernatural manifestations of God's power. You don't going to have it either. It's not for you. Go to your dead church where when you get sick, make sure your health insurance is paid up and take your chemotherapy. What's wrong with this generation? Well, it's not like it was back in the 40s and the great healing revivals of Oral Roberts and A.E. Allen and Jack Cole. They had power back then. And, you know, brother, you know, my spiritual papa told me, Brother Higgins said, you know, he said, he said, what these people don't understand today is that those revivals would go on for 40 days, 40 nights, and people came out every night. And they would get hands laid on them 70 times. And on the 70th time, they dropped the crutches and legs would grow out and cancers would fall on the ground. But we want to come in in one hour and get everything and don't even have to believe for nothing. You the man of God. You're supposed to razzmatazz and alakazam. It's supposed to happen. We got the wrong idea about God. Let me tell you something. You're going to have to humble yourself. You're going to have to. God don't need you like you think he does. He is not going to cater himself to fit in your idea. You're going to have to humble yourself. So many people got this spirit of entitlement. God, oh, somebody, daddy, some, your daddy walked out on you. Mama walked out on you. Somebody didn't take care of you. And somebody owes me something. And you take it out on God. And you think God has to jump through hoops for you. When he has millions that lay their life down for him. Millions now being killed because they just say they love him. And you think that God got to cross the Atlantic to do something for you because you confessed the word five times. And when it don't work, it ain't no truth and none of that. It didn't work for me. I'm trying to help some of you until you humble yourself. 
now you can play. Until you humble yourself. Until you're willing to release your ideas. I hate when I come. And see, see, here's number five. You must release yourself from the mentality of the fearful. You got to stop being dominated by fear. When we start praying for people, you can't be sitting around scared. You won't receive nothing afraid. Fear stops the power of God. Don't work. It won't go. Because God is not going to just override your will and just do it for you. You can't be dominated by a spirit of fear all your life and expect to step into the supernatural. The Bible says the fearful and the unbelieving are going to go to the lake of fire. He said fearful. <laughs> what? Because when you're fearful, God can't use you. He wants you to take the land, but you think that you're a grasshopper and you can't do it. I hope I'm helping somebody. You hang around religious people, fearful people, worry wards, people with low self-esteem, woe is me, that stuff will rub off on you. It'll get in your spirit before you know it. You're talking about woe is me. It's too late. It's too late for God to help me like this. I'm going to have to live this way the rest of my life. But the moment you introduce Jesus into that scenario, that don't matter no more. Listen, number six is the master key. You must partner with Jesus. He's not partnering with you. You must come and lay aside what you want and say, what you want is what I want. I lay aside what I say and what I want. Lord, I want to help you do what you're doing. It takes humility. God is looking for a broken spirit. God is looking for a broken heart. God is looking for a broken vessel. Somebody who ain't got nobody but him. Sir, why don't you get in the water when the angel comes and troubles the water? I have no man to take me. As long as you got him, her, them, and that one, and depending on that one, you're not in a position to step into the supernatural. You got to allow God to strip you of who you want to be and who you think you are. You have to break it. I know when I start praying for people, they start resisting and fighting the anointing. You know what? Religious people don't want to receive the anointing. Because that means that they're not in control. And they want to be in control. But when you're humble, when you're hungry, when you're desperate, when you say, I don't want to go another day. If there's more, I want it. You ever meet people, do you tell them about being baptized in the Holy Ghost? Well, I don't believe in all of that. I'm saved. I don't believe in that. Oh, no, I don't believe in all that speaking on tongues and business. That tongue business, I don't believe in none of that. I'm a Baptist. I don't believe in another brother. But it's in the Bible. I just showed it to you. That was back then. This is not today. Who are you? Who are you to sit here and strike scriptures out the Bible because you don't agree with it? Because it's going to mean that you're going to have to let go of your idols to get it. Are you ready to strip yourself? Are you ready to say, Lord, I'm ready to be refashioned in what you want to do? I'm tired of resisting you. Do you know pride is the only thing he resists? He resists the proud. He resists you. You want to know why God ain't doing it for you? Because he's resisting you. He don't resist sinners. They come to him. He don't even resist children that don't even know how to act and come in his presence, stepping all over his sandals and messing up with them. He don't resist them, but he resists proud people. He resists people that think, I really have it all together. I just want a little extra from God. No, no, no. No, no. That's not humble enough. 
As long as you're trying to tell God how to move, you ain't got it yet. I'm going to tell you something. The power of God really began to work in my life when I told the Lord, I don't care how you go. I don't care if you knock me unconscious and I don't wake up the next week. If you do it, I don't care. Just don't let me come back the way I am. I'm not fighting you. I'm not resisting your power. You are Lord and I surrender. I surrender. See, God is looking for somebody that's going to surrender and say, all for you, Jesus. Somebody said, faith means forsaking all. I take him. As long as it's your way, it ain't his way. You may have to give up and let go of some people. You may have to let go of some idols that you cherish. Jesus said, he that loses his life shall find it. But he that holds on to his life, you're going to lose it. So therefore, the doctrine of Jesus is release all things that you might have all things. But as long as you try to hold on to all things, you can't have me and I am all things. You understand? Stand up on your feet. I'm done. Aren't you glad? I want you to lift your hands and worship softly. This is a dedication that you have to make to the Lord. God can do anything for you instantly. It don't take him six years and five years and 10,000 confessions and for you to get the right person to lay hands. It doesn't take any of that. It takes a moment in your heart when you surrender and say, I'm tired of doing it my way. And some of you think that you've said that already, but you really haven't until you've broken your heart and come out of your ideology and say, Lord, I don't know what I don't know. That's my problem. I can't see myself the way you see me. Like the man said, Lord, what lack I yet? I want to follow you. What's, what lack I yet? Are you willing to hear what he has to say? Are you willing to let go of all the things that you think make you somebody around people? See, this is not me to everybody tonight. Because all this preaching I've done, some of y'all still don't get it. That's just another sermon. You just, yeah, that was beautiful what he said about walking on water. I'm going to do that one day. It don't mean nothing to you. But to those who God is calling out in 2013 to walk in the supernatural, they're hearing something tonight. And they're saying, I surrender, Lord. Not my way, but Yahweh. Do you not know that there is nothing keeping him from giving you a plan to give you an invention that will make you a million dollars? He could do it. Do you know that there's nothing stopping him? He's got millions of money-making ideas, millions of them laying around. You know what? Nobody is using their imagination to reach into that realm and pull it by faith in. Not trying to do it. You're busy trying to kiss behind and brown nose and make friends with the right people and kiss up and try to man-please to get it. You won't go God's way. See, the man or woman that will bow to Jesus don't have to bow to nothing else. You ain't got to kiss behind and brown nose and hang around the pastor. If you hang around him long enough, he'll let you preach so you can start your ministry. You don't need it. That, that's not how it works. That lets me know you don't get it yet. You don't get it. Because this thing is between you and Jesus. It ain't between nobody else. 
stop looking at other people, what God did through them and how God stop measuring yourself by other people. He got you on a track by yourself with him. This is personal. And the song says, what shall I render to God? That's why some of your marriages can't work because nobody can yield. Nobody can be broken. Nobody can be humble and say, if we don't get this thing right, this is going to tear our family up. You think God is pleased with that foolishness? That's why parents and children don't get along because somebody won't yield. Somebody won't be broken. Somebody won't say yes and somebody won't submit. That is the biggest problem with Christian people that get a bunch of religious ideas and refuse to bow down. Let me tell you something. If he walk in here, if he come in this room, if he manifests, I dare you to try to stand up in front of him. I dare you to beat your chest.